Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Before uh, a, a little book I was reading called You Are Not, You Are Not Listening by an author, Kate Murphy, reflecting on the practice and discipline of, of listening and its presence or absence in our uh, lives. But she tells the story about the son of, an, of a Texas oil baron. His name is Dick Bass, and uh, he was a, an accomplished mountain climber and adventurer and uh, talks about how he had a reputation for enjoying talking about it, right? So in, in any bit of company, uh, very quick just to begin like sharing his exploits and his adventures. And again, it was anecdotal, but she told, uh, I recounted a moment or an incident where he was uh, making a cross-country flight and, uh, you know, as he was wont to do, just begin telling the guy next to him all about his adventures, Mount McKinley, Mount Everest, near-death experiences in the Himalayas, just a whole range of, of his adventures. And over the course of that uh, cross-country flight, you know, sharing all, all that he had accomplished. And he got to the end and realized, ah, you know, kind of apologetically, uh, I haven't made uh, introductions. I'm so sorry. And he introduced himself. And the guy flying next to him had been such a gracious audience uh, member listening. said, well, that's okay, man. You know, uh, it's great to meet you. I'm Neil Armstrong. Uh, right? Neil Armstrong, the astronaut, right? And uh, <laughs> Murphy, makes, uh, Murphy makes the observation that when we, when we don't stop talking long enough to listen, uh, her, her language, sometimes we look like an idiot, right? That, that, uh, that when we don't kind of stop talking long enough to, uh, to hear, to breathe and listen, and listen, she says, uh, we, we miss out on, on opportunities, and I think our reading this morning uh, finds Habakkuk in that kind of moment. Uh, finds Habakkuk uh, really with this same sort of taking a breath, right? He's taking a breath. We've been, we've been reading his words, uh, God's response, but a lot of like Habakkuk's struggle to understand the world around him uh, with lots of questions. God, do you see this? Are you listening? Uh, and, and now we come to a moment where he's going to take a breath uh, and, and listen. In verse one, right, he says, I will take my stand on the watch post, station myself on the tower, look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning uh, my complaint. So in, in this moment, it's an image of, of uh, perhaps in wartime and walled cities, uh, the watch, the watchman running to the edge, the top of the wall, looking out, anticipating news, uh, looking for an answer uh, to come. And in this case, Habakkuk saying, uh, I'm going to listen, see what God will say, and then how I, I will respond to what he says to me. And I think, again, just on the face of it, just as an image, uh, before we sort of step any further into Habakkuk's journey, we're invited in this moment to just pause and listen right? Uh, to just, to just take a moment, right? And, and, uh, and, and listen. And, and again, admitting it's hard to listen when, when we're, when we're talking. Uh, and we live in a culture that is very comfortable talking. And, uh, uh, but, but listening, I feel like uh, maybe a little harder to come by. Uh, again, just remember sort of where we've gone in this journey. Uh, Habakkuk, God, do you see this? Do you see all of this violence and injustice, even among your own people, who are supposed to be expressions of your righteousness in the world? God says, yes, I see it. And I'm sending the Babylonians, a people even more wicked than you, to which Habakkuk replies, like, are, are you kidding me? Right? How does this even help? Right? How, how, how can you solve this problem in that way. And where we finished last week, Habakkuk saying, man, God, I know you are from everlasting, but, but it feels like 
the wickedness of the Babylonians is going to last forever. Coming to the end of all those words, Habakkuk is in a uh, a place that others like like him or before him have been as well. Guys like Job or Moses or other prophets who have come really to the end of their words and have paused to listen, right? to stop talking and wait to see what God will say. Interestingly, God's response uh, in this moment calls Habakkuk uh, further into listening and waiting. Verse two, he says, God answered him. God answered him and said, I want you to write this down, make it plain on tablets so that, uh, that someone may run with it. It'll be simple to, to process and understand and they can run and share the news is the image here. So they simple enough that they can run with it and, and take the news uh, to the next city, perhaps. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, he says. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. It won't delay. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So even in this moment of, of uh, Habakkuk posturing himself uh, to listen to how God respond, God draws him even further into that, that experience of waiting. Like, I know it feels like things aren't changing. I know it feels like it doesn't look like I'm at work. I know you still have lots of questions. And he, he gives him an answer in this moment that says, even, even in, the, in the promise of this answer, uh, that feeling of delay, God, God drawing Habakkuk uh, even further into it. I think... Um, and in those kind of moments, if you're like me, uh, which you may not be, and that's probably good, uh, but uh, that, that moment uh, in our communication with others, there's that tendency in all of us, I think, to, uh, uh, to start talking, right? That, that in a moment of, of delay or lag or quiet, uh, oftentimes just in social conversation, nervously, we, we want to fill that space with something. And, and so we, we just, we just, we, we start talking. Uh, and here, this feels like a moment like that for Habakkuk. Uh, God drawing him in to trust him that he's at work in the world and I will answer. Uh, I will work as we'll see in just a moment. But even in, even in this promise, the experience of delay in, in, in your circumstances of your life, he's, he's calling him to just, uh, to, to endure, to persevere. And, and, and again, the temptation for Habakkuk being to fill that space. I, uh, I've bumped into this personally in, in our family. Just trying to think like illustratively, like what, what does this look like? Uh, it's happened a couple times lately. One of my daughters has called, has called us out for finishing her sentence sentences for her. Like she's gotten all of us in the family, mom, dad, and her sister. Uh, like, you know, you were asking her a question or giving her a chance to respond. And, uh, we just, we just want to fill, fill that gap for her and, and kind of help her, you know, uh, get it out. And, and at one point she just, she's like literally said, stop, said, no, you're finishing, you're finishing for me. Stop. And, uh, I, I think sometimes in our experience of a uh, prayer of listening, uh, again, our human nature is just to, fin- to finish the sentences, right? To, in our, in our conversations of faith, uh, with God, our struggles, our questions, um, that in those moments of pause or delay, uh, in those experiences of waiting and listening, we just, we just want to finish the sentences for him. But Habakkuk, Habakkuk invites us to pause, even in our faith conversations, to just to just wait wait a moment. Um, and, and you know, we we don't wait very well in all kinds of contexts. Lots of talking, you know, not a lot of listening. But here, Habakkuk says, even in our faith, uh, we we are tempted to finish God's sentences for Him, and instead, uh, our reading this morning invites us just to wait. Uh, 
just to wait and listen. And, and I, think, I think this can come out in a few different ways. Probably for most of us in here, like if we're uh, at all kind of comfortable with our faith, the tendency in that moment is, is over-familiarity. Right, we we just uh, we we talked about this, man. It's been a long time ago, but closeness communication bias, like even in marriage, that we uh, that you get to know someone so well that you you quit listening to them because you know them well enough to kind of uh, anticipate their response. But that that uh, doesn't account for the fact that people change. God doesn't, but people change, and and uh, so we 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 quit listening because we're kind of overly familiar. But I think that same temptation comes into uh, comes into our faith. Not so much that God changes, but we just get so familiar that. We, uh, we, we quit kind of actively listening, attend, attending uh, to that space in which he's, he's called us to wait. Sometimes maybe it's a little, as we'll see in our passage, it's, it's maybe a little more overt and, and arrogance, right? A, a kind of like, well, I got this, and we rely either on our, our own wisdom or righteousness or whatever the case may be, uh, and that is certainly the picture we get here in Habakkuk, that maybe it's a little more overt, but in the midst of all of that, the invitation here is to, to assume a different posture, right? to, to, listen, to open uh, our hearts and lives and minds up uh, to listen to God, almost like Job, right? It, it, just, it, it echoes Job uh, to me that, that it, he comes to the end of his words, like God lets him go, right? Let's him share his frustrations with the world and his life individually and the world around him. He lets him go and lets him come to the end of those words. And uh, God doesn't silence his questions. He doesn't shut him down or off. And, uh, he uh, just lets him go, lets him run out. And then there in, in that quietness responds, and as with Habakkuk, uh, responds in a way that maybe Job wasn't anticipating. Uh, his answer to Job's questions maybe not being the answers Job was was looking for. And so I think as we start uh, today, uh, well, we're, we, we have more than started this morning. Don't worry, guys. Like, please, we'd appreciate it if you would talk less, Matt, but uh, uh, maybe listen more. So, but I think uh, before we sort of move more deeply into the passage, uh, this is the invitation uh, to us, right? Wherever we might be in faith, this just, uh, where might you, where might God be inviting you to listen in, in your life? Uh, who uh, in your life might he be inviting you to listen to differently? Where in your life might you look and consider, man, I've really just, I've been, I've been, I've been talking a lot, you know, and talking might look a little different. It might look like human effort and work and, and, and stress or anxiety or worry. It might, it might have all sorts of expressions, uh, in which you're sort of you're talking into whatever that situation is in your life. And, uh, maybe just take a moment to consider, man, where might God be inviting you, right? Not silencing your struggles and frustrations or questions, but inviting you to just run to the end of them and then just rest and wait. And listen, uh, like Habakkuk. Uh, and I, it might be different for each of us, but I do think uh, where we start today, that is an invitation for you. But uh, we, we're going to move a little bit further into the passage. Uh, again, there's all sorts of things we, we could point out in the passage, but uh, we're going to focus on a, on a couple things here moving forward, which in, in this moment, uh, we're going to consider God's response. So the, the posture we have been called into initially is listening and, and waiting. But how does God respond to that for Habakkuk? Right? In, in this moment, I, I just envision like a hanging silence. It's really visual. Like he's up on the edge, listening, looking for news from God and hanging there. What does God say? 
God speaks, interestingly, a word to Habakkuk in this moment that will become foundational in the New Testament. Uh, it, it, it will be it will be an anchor in some of the most densely theological writings of the New Testament. They're going to go back to the word that God speaks into the silence of Habakkuk's life in this moment. In fact, they're going to pick up what God will speak to Habakkuk here. They're going to pick it up to help them make sense and understand uh, Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, the gospel of Jesus. The, the language uh, these guys are going to point to, to help them make sense of Jesus is what God will speak to Habakkuk here. And we see it in verse four. This is his answer, right? The hanging silence, God says, behold, his soul is puffed up, a reference to the Babylonians, right? That's the source of Habakkuk's question in this moment. His soul is puffed up. It's not right within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And then in verse 5, he's, he kind of steps back to this description of the Babylonians. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as death. His, like death, he is, never has enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. So in, in this moment, I, kind of before we step into the particulars of, a, of what is, I think, a very hopeful word, uh, I just consider what's happening here. God's response to Habakkuk is, is, a, is, a, is a contrast, like a study in, in contrast. He's laying out in front of him uh, that in the midst of all of his efforts to understand the world around him, it's like you can approach this in two ways, right? You can, you can step into the next uh, day and moment of your life headed in, in kind of uh, two slightly or more than slightly different directions, that in the midst of all of Habakkuk's efforts to understand God's ways and providence in the face of violence and injustice, he has here uh, in this word an opportunity. On the one hand, uh, you can step like the Babylonians into the path of arrogance and pride, trusting their own might and experience and intelligence. He says the way his soul is puffed up, it's, uh, it's not upright within him. Or he says... You can step into the path of humility, the humility of the righteous that trusts God's vision for life, for the world around him. That, that, that is sort of the image that's painted here, that before, uh, but, but, as Habakkuk listens, tries to process all that's happening around him, rather than giving him a direct answer, a timeline perhaps, you know, a prophecy that'll kind of neatly line out for him. Well, this is how long you can expect the Babylonians to stick around, and then, you know, this will work out, which is what we always want. We want details, particulars. Uh, no, what God gives him here is a hopeful word that says, uh, Habakkuk, in a sense, I understand this frustration, but I'm, I'm going to lay a path in front of you. You can follow it to its extreme, the path of the Babylonians, arrogant trust in your own strength and might and righteousness, as we'll see. Or uh, you can follow the path of the righteous, which is faith, which is to trust my work and vision of your life and the world around you. Uh, again, to, to use the image here, death is all over this imagery, right? It's a sharp contrast. You can either, in a sense, die by arrogance or live by trusting me. That's what God is, is laying out for Habakkuk. And what we'll see for Habakkuk is that this, this move, this promise, the righteous will live by faith, becomes a, a kind of 
ballast, right, in, in the ship of his life. It's, it's, what, it's what gives him uh, the, the sturdiness, the stability he needs to help him persevere, right, under discipline uh, as the people of God are being chastened for wickedness. It's what, it's what keeps him uh, steady and true. It's what helps him live consistently when all around him is a perversion of justice and wickedness and violence. It's what, it's what keeps him sort of stepping into the next day when he can't understand how God could possibly be at work in any of it. It's, it's this move towards trusting God's vision. Last week, the language was trusting that God is at work. But here it's this, this image that, again, is picked up in the New Testament. The righteous will live by faith. When he's ready to doubt, when he doesn't understand God's judgments, when he, when he, when he doesn't understand God's purposes, as we'll see as the book unfolds, it's this it's this posture that will move him into worship. That even though the circumstances around him maybe uh, are hard for him to process, uh, he will be moved into trusting God's vision of the world around him and of his life. It'll give him courage to accept that God is at work. Courage to accept God's word of promise, even in a world that's dominated by the horrors of Babylon. And I think, you know, again, for us, uh, it's a little bit different, right? Our, our, obviously, our cultural context is different. Our moment is different. And I was trying to think of, of maybe places where I've seen this kind of move uh, and uh, or what might this look like. And uh, I, I came across an example that, uh, I, you know, it kind of snuck up on me. I had to go looking for it. Um, I was just listening to a conversation between two uh, pastors who are, who are both uh, black pastors uh, in uh, the states and uh, from different streams of the church. Uh, one was Esau Macaulay, and he's, he's chatting uh, with a, with another gentleman named Jamar Tisby. And uh, Esau Macaulay is an Anglican uh, pastor, uh, and, and Jamar comes from like a reformed, you know, uh, Orthodox. What's the word? Evangelical, like understanding of Scripture, right? And, and they're having a conversation about faith and and about uh, the particular moment that we're in as a country. And uh, over the course of their conversation, which again was was really interesting, uh, Esau Macaulay the host of this conversation, asked him a question that caught my attention. Again, I'm guessing just kind of sitting with Habakkuk, it, it kind of uh, stuck out in a way I hadn't anticipated. But he asked, he asked uh, his uh, podcast guest, right, uh, you know, how, how, how do you hold on to hope, right? So Jamar Tisby is also a historian, particularly the history of the church and its uh, involvement and connections to uh, racist actions in the past and uh, just the nature of that uh, history and its implications. And so he, he asked him, you know, how do you, uh, how do you like hold on to hope when so much of, of your experience of the gospel, he says, has been, you know, ravished by racism is the language he used, right? When, when, when your experience of this thing that you know to be true has, has been so adversely uh, affected, which, which, again, listening, I thought, man, this sounds like Habakkuk. Habakkuk is looking around at the people who are to be righteous and seeing injustice and asking, God, where is hope in this, right? Like, what, I, I, what, this, this, these are the people who should be an expression of your righteousness. Where are you in this? And uh, so he asked them in, over the course of this conversation, well, how do you keep your faith in Christ? Just really point blank. How do you keep your faith in Christ? And uh, his response in that moment again uh, went off into some particulars, but uh, it, he starts that response by saying, he's like, there's something in the gospel that is true and transcendent in spite of all the racism that's been imported into a, a version of Christianity. He said, there's something in the gospel that I can hold on to. And then they, then they go on and eventually start to reflect on the cross and 
and the resurrection. But, but as I listened, I thought, man, this feels analogous. Again, like any analogy, it breaks down at certain points, but it feels analogous to the conversation I hear Habakkuk having. God, do you see this? Right, like This is supposed to be the expression of your goodness to the world, and all I see is injustice and violence. It's in the house. It's not just out there. God, it's, it's, in, your, it's in the house. And in the midst of those questions, as, as listening to these two um, men talk about their faith and race, uh, I find them sort of hopefully making this turn that Habakkuk has given that the righteous will live by faith. That, that there was a recognition, uh, that there was something to God's vision of the world that even though it had been tainted and broken and distorted in irrevocable ways at times, it seems that there was, that there was here, uh, in this, a, a move towards righteousness to trust God's vision of the world. And again, it's a simple example, maybe, you know, I'm sure it breaks down at some point, but I thought, man, a picture maybe of, of where Habakkuk is, is drawing us as well. What does it mean to be among the righteous who live by faith? That when all around seem to be broken and distorted images of God's righteousness, uh, to trust that God is at work, that the gospel is true. That his word is, is good. Uh, the, uh, the righteous will live by faith. I mean, this is the answer that he gives. Where do we see this phrase uh, as we sort of uh, come to a, a, an end? Uh, well, we see it uh, once in Romans. Romans, a theologically foundational book uh, to, to the church, to Christianity, uh, as Paul writes this treatise on the difference that God has made. And, and this is a classic passage. If you've been around church, you know this. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, right? This, this we know, but right out of this uh, declaration, uh, this is what Paul says. He goes to Habakkuk, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That when Paul is trying to understand the grace of God in Jesus, God's clearest expression of his goodness and righteousness to the world, his, his answer to all of our distorted righteousness uh, in Jesus, uh, where Paul goes to, to, to make sense of that, the power of God for salvation is Habakkuk. The righteous live by faith. It shows up again in Paul's writings to Galatians, the church in Galatia. Again, a really a foundational book when, when, uh, the first Christians are trying to process where Jesus fits in their previous religious experience. Uh, and he says, right, in Galatians chapter three. So the first was Romans 1, 16 and 17, if you want to look later. And, uh, Galatians chapter three, verses 11 and 12, he says, it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, right? This sort of previous religious kind of standard. For he says, the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. So here in this moment, he's drawing another contrast. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, uh, the moment in Romans is more broadly theological. This is a particular application that we are tempted to stand on our own righteousness. And Paul says, the righteous uh, live by faith in God's work, God's righteousness, not their own. And then once more in Hebrews, Chapter 10, verses 37 and 38. 
again, all sorts of particulars in these passages. But uh, in Hebrews, it's interesting because he gives that the writer of Hebrews picks up Habakkuk to encourage his readers to persevere, particularly because they've experienced and are experiencing injustice and brokenness and suffering. They've stepped into it alongside others and their experience of it. They've experienced it themselves. And in that moment to encourage them, he says, oh, yet a little while, the coming one will come. And he will not delay. I mean, that sounds like Habakkuk already, right? It's what we've already read in Habakkuk. But he says, my righteous one will live by faith. Will live by faith. That that this becomes an anchor uh, at a moment when you're tempted to shrink back or pull away or or give up. uh, The promise that the righteous will live by faith. In each of these examples, again, we didn't dig into all of them. It's an invitation to trust God's vision, God's work in the person of Jesus, the gospel, that it's God's vision and work, not our own, and then to persevere and not give up, to rest, uh, even as Habakkuk is invited to do, to rest in the news uh, that life comes by trusting God's vision and work, not our own understanding. But here's the deal. Uh, in in uh, here's the deal. Like I, I know, in that moment of silence, uh, we fill it with with all kinds of stuff. Right? That it's hard to hear that uh, because so much of life pulls us in in different directions. We think we got it. We can work it out ourselves. We we're comfortable sort of pointing judgment at others. All of those kinds of ways or expressions, kind of leaning on our our own righteousness. And God says, no, the, the righteous will live by faith, their trust in the fact that God is at work, his vision, his work, and on this side of Jesus, his work in the, the cross and resurrection uh, of Christ. But I know that we begin, often I think we just miss here. We, uh, our girls, we, we lived in uh, an apartment across town when we first moved to Kansas City and have, you know, since moved. But, uh, subsequently after moving, we would drive back around and occasionally we'd drive by and our girls would be like, oh, look, it's the repartment. And, uh, like, what? The, it's the repartment. Is this the repartment? I'm like, what? What? And, uh, it took, uh, some occurrences of this happening before I discovered we had always referred to it as our apartment, right? This is our apartment. And over time, uh, those words had run together. Our apartment, our apartment had become our, Repartment, right? And uh, this a subtle like move in mishearing, I think, uh, happens to us all the time when we listen, when we try to listen and remember who God is and that he's at work, that we start to mishear, words run together. And uh, in this moment, Habakkuk's inviting us maybe to hear again, maybe to create uh, a pause long enough uh, to hear. I, I think I think what's what's happening in this moment in Habakkuk, um, perhaps as we've seen already, is that in this moment, he's pausing long enough, right? In this silence, he's going to consider the character of the one to whom he's speaking. I mean, that's what this is an invitation to do. The righteous live by faith. That is, it is a sense in which we, we pause, we, we stop to recognize it doesn't depend on us. And so in that moment, we reflect on the character of the one in whom we're called to trust. We've sung about it already. Uh, but I think that's one of the reasons church is so important because we forget it all the time. We start to mishear, we start to misremember, and we need to be reminded again and again, right, of the nature and the character of the one uh, to whom we bring all of these questions and worries and concerns. I, um, last week we, we, we went to a verse, uh, we went to a verse that we often pick up in moments of difficulty, right? When we can't understand uh, what's happening. It's in Isaiah chapter 55. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, right? Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I can tell you myself, often it's true, uh, we lean on this to trust God's providence, even as Habakkuk is doing when we can't understand. And all of that is true, but I was reminded this week of the context of that promise. Listen to the two verses that precede that remark, right? God's ways are higher than you could ever possibly understand. That declaration, this is what it flows from. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. You see what's, what's happening here? All this chat but God's ways being higher. His ways are higher than what? Right? What, what? What's it about? This is not a reflection on God's providence per se, but on his compassion. That, that the extent to which God will go to forgive, the, the character of the one to whom we bring all of our filthy righteousness, that the character of the one to whom we bring all of that uh, is one of compassion and forgiveness to an extent that which we cannot comprehend. His ways are higher than our ways. Which is interesting because the human heart, man, we, we rely on reciprocity, right? We, we like the back and forth. We, we need justice on our terms. We want to judge and measure God sort of from ourselves. Uh, we are moved by our sorts of passions and desires. Uh, but God's thoughts of love and compassion, Isaiah tells us, his character uh, stretch beyond what we're capable of apprehending. That, that it's interesting to me, what Isaiah is saying here is that when, we, when our thoughts are too small of God, they're too small with regard to his forgiveness. Of all the things he could have said in this moment, that our ways, uh, your ways are higher, that my thoughts, God, are too small for yours, all the things he could have landed on, what he landed on was, was God's capacity to pardon and forgive. And I think in, in this moment of silence, we're going to close with a song. You guys can come on up. The invitation uh, today to pause and listen uh, as a, maybe a practice or an exercise, uh, that as you listen in your life to whatever noise is sort of bubbling to the surface for you, as you pause to consider the character of the one to whom you bring all of those complaints, Isaiah says you cannot even comprehend just how low God delights to come to, 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 to express his kindness to you. And there's no, again, clearer image or picture of this than Jesus, than what he's done on the cross, the resurrection. So today, uh, I invite you to stand. We're going to sing. Uh, as we quiet, as we listen and wait, maybe with all of our questions, I would ask you the question, well, what do you, what do you hear? What do you see of the character of the one to whom you bring your own anxieties, concerns, and questions, maybe doubts and anger. Yes, as Habakkuk invites us, Isaiah, his providence, you're, you're invited in that silence to see his providence, that he's faithful, that he's at work, yes. But today, I think also his compassion, that he will abundantly pardon, and that 
whatever sinfulness or arrogance of trusting our own strength and righteousness we might bring, God's capacity to forgive is beyond comprehension. And Habakkuk, spoiler alert, he will land there himself. He says, the end of chapter three, I will rejoice in God, my Savior. God has worked that salvation for us in Christ. Today, as you listen and bring all of your own words into this conversation, we sing one more song to maybe reflect on the character of the one uh, to whom we're speaking. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.